Hello, this is Cybersmart Security Podcast, episode 16. My name is Salahuddin Amao, and I'm glad to be here to give you a breakdown of recent cybersecurity news that has occurred in the last few weeks. Um, so today's title is Due Diligence, Are SMS Security Codes for 2FA Still Reliable? and British Airways gets fined for £20 million. So, this title is talking about due diligence. So, what is due diligence? How can you apply it as a user in your business and individually so you don't get scammed? Also, are SMS security codes for 2FA still reliable? The OTP that you receive, can it be attacked? Join me in this episode to be able to find out. Stay tuned. Welcome back. So today's podcast title is Due Diligence, our SMS security codes for 2FA still reliable and British Airways get fined for 20 million. So due diligence, what is due diligence? It's just simply an action taken by an individual or business to cross-check information said by the other party before entering into an agreement or contract for a service rendered. So you take for an example, someone comes to you with a very too good to be true idea you will find it hard to believe. You will want to do a form of investigation to actually check what that person is saying. So this is what due diligence is all about. So for instance, you you, you want to invest in, in a person's idea, a person's business idea, and it's quoting different financial numbers to you. You must check that those numbers are correct before giving him the money. You don't want to give him uh, finance a business that you are overpaying. Uh And this is what this kind of investigation entails. So why am I talking about this today? How does it concern the cyber world? I'm sure you're all wondering about that. Yes, it concerns it because it, it, it encompasses all our lives. So imagine you go to the registration office to register where you live. You need the the, um, the registration officer has to know whether the document you are bringing is genuine or not. And he's going to be able to confirm that by looking at the documents that you bring to him. If it is actually from your landlord or it isn't so and this occurs in different government offices all over the world you are submitting the documents for for a service that you are expecting from the government officer they have to do their due diligence they have to investigate if what you are bringing to them if all the documents you've tendered to them are genuine and this also occurs in the cyber world um today we have so many scams, different forms of scams that could take place. And 
now that we live in an information age whereby we can leverage technology and to be able to get things done easily especially during these unusual times it is also very um, easy for scammers to take uh, to take our trustworthiness for being too naive and get away with our money so we have to be very careful so i'll be taking um, a report that i read recently or uh, from um, someone who did a very important investigation that has led to um, a fraud that was supposed to take place for some certain people so the fraudster in question he claimed to be an investor and so and the investment bankers who wanted to go into business with him were like asking that okay who are the accounting firms because in the business world accounting firms are the ones that do due diligence so and for them to do such due diligence both parties can ask for the portfolio so portfolio is like details that confirms what that accounting firm is where they are based their address maybe some um officers that are, are from that business and from that accounting firm so you kind of um have this kind of situation that if you find an investor uh, and somebody that is bringing in a business proposal can be brought into a room by an investment banker so for things to move smoothly and legally you kind of have an accounting firm that will do such kind of due diligence but it is not even something so difficult you as an individual that plans to um, get a business uh, finance you can do due diligence on on your investor you can do an investigation to be able to check that this person me promising me money is he actually um for you i hope he is not um trying to scam me so for this incident that i was talking about let's get back to that story the investments um and the investor claimed that okay he has an accounting yeah he, he knows an accounting firm that can actually uh, do the evaluation because in the business world also they also you, you if you want to acquire a business or you want to invest in a business you must be able to check those numbers just as i explained earlier so uh in acquisition cases the person that want to uh, um, to acquire that business is going to evaluate the numbers that have been submitted you know, and is going to evaluate the financial um, sheets of that company so for this story that I was talking uh, I was talking about earlier the investor promised that okay he has an accounting firm that can do the investigation that they are talking about and all that and that they should talk with the uh, accounting firm so he gave them the contact details and he said they can even ask for the investment portfolio and stuff like that of the company but by the time the investment banker that was interested in uh, getting the person's business idea financed by this so-called investor and got uh, information back from the uh, accounting firm accounting firm just you know dropped a photo up of 
like a vision and mission of their company. So there wasn't not something detailed. So from there on, the investment backer told the um, the 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 person who, who brought the business proposal to the investor that look, you have this guy is not looking good. Some of what he has said is not adding up. But you know when. People who have ideas get people that want to invest in their business, want to finance their business. They get someone that even just after a call or two, they are ready to to put in so much millions of uh, dollars into their business. They get carried away. So these are the kind of things that could occur to anyone. So we will just have to make sure that we go back to the standards of how things are done so that you don't get scammed, you don't get deceived. You don't get deceived by a ruse that you are not uh, seeing. So, in some of these kind of situations, you get people that are experts to help you. So, it could be your friends. It could be someone that is into the um, is into the business of um, financing um, uh, ideas, business ideas. But you get someone. So you don't just go alone and get carried away with the sweet words of. A so-called investor so to cut the long story short and to get to the to the point of this um, podcast it was eventually discovered that the, uh, the accounting firm he claimed that he knew was actually a, a, a ruse that he created and he uses that uh, firm to collect um, due diligence payments so-called due diligence payments that people will pay him before he accepts to invest in their business, because an investor has the right to ask uh, to um, do do a an investigation of a business proposal before putting in their money. So, and in this kind of uh, in this case in this report, he had the chance to have an accounting firm that he used to collect money from the people that he's actually planning to invest money into. And after, you know, after collecting that money or that is for the so-called due diligence, he continuously give excuses for not um, in committing to his own end of the contracts until they don't hear from him anymore and they are not able to reach him anymore. So that was the case that of, uh, of someone who scammed people by claiming to be a, um, a notable investor in this uh, cyberspace uh, and unknown to naive you know entrepreneurs that are they want to you know become an owner of a business they get scammed so we have to be very careful of this kind of of this kind of uh, people so we don't get deceived by the rules so moving on, so the question about SM, is SMS um, security codes still reliable for 2FA authentication? So for the many of you that have been following my podcast from when I started, I've talked about two-factor authentication, which is a level of security in which you use to secure your accounts. So you don't really use password. You also maybe use another form of authentication such as one-time passcodes or 
um, maybe using a an authenticator app on your phone so are they still reliable is receiving sms code on your phone maybe via your telecom company still the best way for us during this century and moving forward so let's discuss this so i the sms uh, protocol that is used by telecommunication companies and which businesses like um uh, business, uh, like bank banks and maybe uh, companies that are rendering services to you they use this sms code that is powered by telecom companies to be able to send uh, those security codes that you use to enter your account and the reason why this is the form of code um, medium that is being used to uh, by users all over the world and companies is because it's very straightforward and easy to use and it's very easy to understand by both the users and even businesses so they don't have to you know do anything complicated like that so this 30 year old uh, protocol is something that has been called into question that uh, because of attacks that have occurred and it's actually a good um, thing that people are kind of thinking of something better that can be used such as um, maybe using an authenticator app like I mentioned earlier or um, use of physical security keys uh -huh. so but the problem of bringing this alternative is that the mainstream user out there that doesn't really on in that find this difficult to even activate 2FA authentication might find this difficult for him to do and even decide not to do anything else so to some extent we already feel that okay yes anybody that is able to activate 2FA authentication on his account even if he is to receive it receive the codes via sms has actually raised uh, the security of his of, of his uh, online account to a certain degree that such kind of person is cyber aware and security conscious this is a good thing so if we are going to bring something else that is unifying across boards for businesses for companies it has to be something that the mainstream user will be able to easily get so that the cyber awareness that we've been clamoring people should have so that they you know put this into their lives so that they don't get scammed or get attacked will also be the um the mainstream stuff that will occur for everyone so as for me to answer that question that are they still reliable yes and no so yes in the sense that it's still something that we could advise our friends our family members colleagues at work to make sure that you know they ensure that they activate 2fa and you know use maybe any form of biometric to be able to secure their phones so that nobody will just easily be able to see the security code Aha. so it is from that perspective it is still reliable because anyone just needs to activate it on their account online and anytime they need to um, log on to their accounts even from another um, system or workstation 
they are able to use their their security codes that they receive via SMS. So and also no, in the sense that we've had issues of man in the middle attacks. So whereby um, there have been a form of attacks such as SIM swapping, whereby somebody goes to the telecom companies and impersonates the real owner of a of of a, a certain phone number and then use that um, SIM that he gets from tele company tele uh, telecommunication company to be able to perpetrate a malicious attack for the user and then at the end of the day you get to see, see that maybe such person's account has been hacked and his bank account has been cleaned so that is one form of attack another form of our attack that we've seen is the case of um, uh, malicious uh, applications maybe via google play or apple store any of the um, play store um, platforms whereby people install such applications and it will ask for permissions to be able to read um, such SMS and not just read the, the SMS that I received, all SMS that I received, but also to send it to a particular destination. So that is also in play. But some of all these attacks are actually targeted attacks. So targeted attacks, what do I mean by that? It could be maybe a CEO, somebody that is in the top cadre uh, of of uh, in in the, in the company that attackers want to uh, get his uh, details so that they will be able to you know clean his account or uh, blackmail him. So those are the people that are actually gotten by these attacks. But you know, as we have seen with issues of attacks. Over the uh, over the years, especially with phishing, in which people can just click a link and from there, their phone might be misbehaving and sending messages to to uh, to an, a malicious attacker. So we have to be prepared. We have to start working on a protocol or phone that all users can be able to use. So we have Google and Apple that they have this kind of prompts. That comes up. Some of us might have even activated this for our for our accounts, our um, email accounts, such that when you want to log in uh, or log in on another um, device or another um, workstation, it it shows that prompt on your phone. You check that prompt message. It will ask whether to approve the login, and you either click yes or no. This is this kind of uh, form of. Uh, level of security is one that cannot be um, imitated or in which somebody that is a malicious attacker can trick someone to you know to um, click on that yes because it will be very difficult for someone to call you and say ah send me uh, click yes unlike if it was a sms code that was received and someone now calls you that i'm calling from and Google or from Apple and you need to give me the code that you just received. Someone can still get that done unlike prompts. So what Google and Apple have done in this kind of sense is something that can actually be done across board but it's you know it has to be uniform it has to be something that is understandable. So in in summary 
because this is going to be a continuous discussion as security researchers and uh, you know app developers and big companies like Google, Apple and the likes come up with a system that works. So it is a continuous discussion. Then it's not one that has an end now. So depending when that will be able to get something much more better, ensure that you activate 2FA authentication on your phones even though you, you might still need to receive such security codes via SMS. So I would also advise that you could also use authenticator apps where it is applicable. But ensure you do that so that you don't get hacked and, uh, and your details are then in the cloud or an attacker maybe sells them or impersonates you. Okay, so moving on away from security codes for TFA is the talk about um, British Airways being fined for 20 million. So um, the Information Commissioner uh, Office in the UK fined British Airways for keeping um, credit card details of their customers uh, in plain text. They kept the, the, the customers um, credit card details in plain text, which resulted into an attack that occurred um, uh, occurred since like 2015 or so. So, and this attack that occurred during that year resulted uh, later during um, they, they actually been keeping the, the credit card details in play test since 2015, but an attack occurred like after that period that, uh, in around 2018, and this resulted in about 24,000 um, customers' um, credit card details being stolen by an attacker. And also, uh, after this um, vulnerability was detected, that all those credit card details were not encrypted or um, saved or hashed because you don't keep personal data of users that in your database in plain text because it means that if uh, an attacker is able to break into it just like in the case of British Airways they are able to just pick the data and, and go unlike if it was encrypted or asked the attacker still needs to do a lot of work to be able to um, uh, to be able to enter into the, that uh, encrypted data so the information com information commissioner office, you know, um, were able to like um, find British Airways for this. So in, in initially, before the investigation was completed and the um, the fine was was uh, made, British Airways was actually facing a fine of almost one hundred and eighty-three million pounds. But at the end of the day, they were just fined twenty million. So. Yes, the fine might not be high just uh, in relation to what was envisaged in the first place as the that is the one eight one hundred and eighty three million pounds, but at least it is still a deterrence for companies to be able to ensure that they put in the best uh, security practices in place. They implement their security practices, their policies so that customers data are are secured and encrypted so we don't have a situation whereby people's data will get into the wrong hands so 
um, this is a good thing that the um, cyber security uh, um, agencies in, in Britain were able to implement. So in other news that I'm not going to elaborate too much, but it's also similar to this uh, case of British Airways being fine. It's one uh, that I also learned, um, and that is Amazon firing some of their employees for sharing uh, personally identifiable information, such as phone numbers, emails, home addresses of customers with a third party. So. Uh, what Amazon did was, apart from firing the employee and telling the security authorities about it, they also sent emails to all the customers that were affected, telling them that it wasn't their fault and if they should receive any form of phishing or um, messages or emails that is claiming to be from Amazon, they should report to, uh, to Amazon via a certain email. Uh, this is actually good because you, you don't want um, so you don't want to keep someone that has committed such offense. Uh -huh. So this kind of offense is what we call a, a malicious uh, insider. So it's, it's a form of insider attack in which the attackers need someone on the inside. So someone like an employee. It occurred with Twitter earlier this year, whereby some Twitter employees uh, that were so careless uh, with how they keep their passcodes and security codes were hacked and from there the the attackers were able to uh, get uh, hijack celebrities account i kind of discussed it in previous podcasts if you want to check that out so for for this kind of case it's very important that the companies are very strong on in such policies you cannot share uh, users data at all it's very wrong it's very wrong in, in countries whereby you have situation whereby somebody might sell a, the personal data of of users maybe for, such as um, voters uh, personally identifiable information that is in possession of the uh, electoral commission is wrong and the security um, regulatory bodies of that country must be hard on those um, or on the on the on the government office or the employees just like the way Amazon did so that it won't occur again. The attitude towards keeping user data private and secured must continuously be um, be mentioned and you know be be emphasized so that we don't have cases whereby an insider will be helping the attackers. So that will be all for today's um, for today's episode of Cybersmart Security Podcast. If you have any questions, I'm open to, to listen to them. You have feedback, comments concerning to this episode. Um, till until next time, stay tuned and uh, stay safe and um i'll see you in the next episode thank you for listening